Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Welcome to episode 365 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today's episode is packed with insight and expert advice that will transform the way you think about sex and relationship. First, let me tell you about our esteemed guests. You probably know them if you're listening to this podcast. Today, we're welcoming the co-host of Shameless Sex Podcast. We have Amy, a celebrated sex and relationship coach, certified sex educator, lead educator for Uberloop, and co-owner of a unique mother-daughter owned online pleasure boutique. Amy was also honored as 2022's Sexpert of the Year. Joining her is April, vice president and co-owner of innovative pleasure product company, Hot Octopus, and the STEAM Women of the Year in the pleasure product industry. In today's episode, we'll explore a range of tantalizing topics. We start with the inspiration behind our upcoming book, Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure, to unlock the sex life you've been waiting for. We then delve into how couples in long-term relationships can navigate differing levels of sexual desire and understand the orgasm gap. We'll discuss effective strategies for men to communicate their sexual needs without causing distress and the role of sex toys in bridging their desire gaps, including how to introduce them respectfully. Additionally, we'll explore strategies for maintaining sexual interest and deepening intimacy through various life stages and how couples can align their sexual preferences to close the orgasm gap. And before we dive in, a quick reminder about Afternoon Delight live event on February 10th, a perfect way to prepare for extraordinary Valentine's Day. I came together with three of my favorite sex podcast hosts. You want to check out their names in the show notes. Very, very exciting. And we have very limited early bear tickets. So you want to make sure that you're grabbing your ticket right now. So whether you're looking to spice up your relationship or deepen your understanding of intimacy, this episode is for you. Without further ado, let's welcome Amy and April to the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome brilliant co-host of Shameless Sex Podcast, Amy and April. Welcome. Thank you for having us. So excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, same. It's a pleasure. Well, you guys very recently launched a wonderful book. And I'm kind of curious about what what inspired you guys to write the book? Well, it all started in 1985 for me in 1980s. <laughs> 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 <Just kidding. laughs> uh, so Shameless Sex, without going too deep into the origin story of our history in the human sexuality field, we started the podcast in 2017. It was a passion project. It was just a fun project. April's going through a divorce and I was going through a heartache. But, you know, one of those ones that happens like once a year for five years and you keep getting back together with a person, one of those. And um, not with them anymore. Yay. And um, we 
started the podcast and a year later came up with this concept for this book because we, one, love choose your own adventure books. So if you all are listening and you're 18, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But <laughs> if you do know what I'm talking about, uh, our book is a choose your own pleasure path version of that. And it's nonfiction for sex and relationships to discover who you are as a sexual being and uh, live as that. And again and again, because we constantly change. So we came up with that in 2018. but we're not ready to actually write it. Uh, so it took us, what, April, is it three more years to dive into this two and a half year project? Well, yes, I think it was like 2006, well, 2017, 2018. Yeah, we, because we started writing the book in, at the end of 2019. So it was a couple of years, but a long journey. <laughs> I loved it. It's such a comprehensive guide for people with additional resources of uh, if you want to learn more about this, this is an episode for it, which which is so amazing. And uh, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I know a couple of years ago I was listening to your show and I remember you guys said like you met at, uh, you guys were both working at an adult store. Is that is that part of the origin story? Well, Amy and her mom opened an adult store and I actually worked with Amy in a restaurant when Amy was finishing her. I had just graduated from from college with an environmental law degree and Amy was studying psychology and human sexuality and we were waitressing. We were servers and she was a baby. She was 20 and I was, I think, 23. And she had this dream to open a sex shop with her mom and I, the only sex shops I ever knew about were kind of this, I call them sticky floor stores where you walk in because I grew up in Wisconsin and she was like, no, it's going to be almost like a spa. And she gave me my first vibrator from there. I was a manager. That was how I, my, she birthed me into the, into the biz, into the sex toy industry. Yeah, I birthed her right out of my two years younger than her pussy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been such a pleasure to... to and so with, I'll just say about April is that I, I just saw her... Um, I call her a social savant. She's like more skilled in working with people than anyone I know. Could connect with them, relate to them, have compassion for them, usually make them laugh very quickly. And I think that's really helpful in working in an adult store because a lot of people come in and they're a little nervous. They're like... I don't know. Is this okay? Oh my God. Oh God. We're talking about sex here. What if someone sees me? And so it's not that we're trying to make them laugh, but we, um, historically we don't work in adult stores anymore, but we go in them often for Uber Lube and Hot Octopus, two brands that we both work for separately. And I think our job is to really help people to feel like it's okay. Like it's, and that's the, hence the shameless sex part. You know, shameless sex isn't about never having shame or we used to say is about eradicating shame. Uh, we we actually realized that shameless sex is about helping people to have less shame or know how to learn how to look at shame as a teacher and then gain tools so that you can live the free sex life, free meaning like you're not restricted within the confines of the armor you're wearing that shame and trauma can create. And so we created this podcast out of kind of out of that lens that and it ties in humor and play. And this is the last thing I'll say with the 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 book is the reason why it's a choose your own adventure slash, well, choose your own pleasure path guide is because shameless sex is very much about you, you decide who you are as a sexual being. And so it's not us saying, here's who you are and who here's what, what you should do. Here's your problem or your issue or your question. Here's exactly what you should do. Instead, it's, well, what's the outcome that you want? Where do you want to go? And then here's the many options that you can take because you're unique, just as we all are. And then you decide what that is. So that's the, another reasoning behind creating this book. I want to add one piece too, because Amy described our book so beautifully. 
And it, it, it comes down to giving people choices throughout their journey as a human being, because how often are we changing every day sometimes, right? Your body shifts, your environment can shift, your stress levels, you may have children, your children, th- there are so many things and your sexuality kind of goes along with that and your intimacy. And I think your needs shift from partner to partner, or even if you're with the same partner. And I think that is something our book caters to, no matter your age or how long, well, you're always going to be with yourself. But even if you've been in a short-term relationship or you're with your partner for a long time, so it can shift with you, which is the choose your own pleasure path part. Like, that's, I think, so fun. I also love that it, it was a collection of the contributions from all the wonderful colleagues you have in sexual health worlds and such a wonderful, like it had your input and their input. So I think if people want to learn more about the kind of like a best tips out there, I would say that's, that's a great book for it. Many of our listeners, they are in long-term relationships. And as you guys know that people in long-term relationship at times, they struggle with a number of things, whether especially a monogamous relationship with desire discrepancy keeping the relationship alive. So tell us, is that something that you hear from your listeners? What are some of the tips and tricks you have for people to, as they're going to discover their own journey, to make sure that they have a fulfilling sexual experiences with their partners? So I think, okay, we get asked the questions all the time from long-term, especially heterosexual partnerships. They're together for five years, 20 years, and things can get stale right? It's not our fault. It can get boring, monotonous. And I think spicing up the sex life is it's a chapter in our book because people don't know what to do. I've done everything. Sex is is losing. Is it me? Is it is it them? So we give so many, there's so many tools. That's the thing. It's almost Pandora's box, shameless sex, meaning you could find your way through exploring sex toys if you if you want to, right? Which is a great, easy resource. Exploring masturbation, mutual masturbation, but having a self-pleasure practice is so important because if you don't know what you want or what you like or what your body prefers, then how is your partner going to know how to tap into that? People aren't psychic. And if they are, amazing for them. Send them uh, our way. Mark, Send them our way. We no, would like to please. study them. <laughs> yes. I would love to study a sexual psychic. So also sometimes exploring different avenues of non-monogamy, not, not cheating or affairs, but doing some consensual non-monogamy, which could be an extreme for some people. But that can look like even like watching a, a cam model on your laptop, right? That could be a form of non-monogamy. It doesn't have to be physically touching someone. So there's a lot of tools about speaking to your partner about these things because one person could feel as though there's not a desired discrepancy and the other could feel like they are stuck and they don't want to leave. And maybe that it's the end of their sexual relationship with their partner and they don't know what to do. So you have to kind of go backwards to be present and then move forward. And that's what our book does for people. So a hundred percent. And I know Amy is going to have lots to add to this, but there's so many tips and tricks and we'll, we'll share a few, but I just kind of highlighted some of um, of the normalcy around that. 
If you if you read our book, it's designed to either be read from front to back or to just find exactly where you are at in this moment. So right now I'm having an issue with my relationship and my partner and I'm wondering if we're compatible. Or right now I'm having an issue with my own body and feeling like there's something wrong with it. Am I broken or am I normal? So it kind of starts some of the heavy things in the first couple chapters that am I normal? Am I broken? Very common questions. And I would say most of the sex questions we get from people the underlying questions are those, am I normal? Am I broken? And then there's also the like, you know, how do I do this fun stuff and, and spice things up? Uh, how do I have more hot sex, great sex? How do I keep this going and lasting? But it seems like, I don't know, I won't give like a percentage because I don't really know, but it seems like more often than not, it is, am I normal and am I broken? And then we can get into all the other juicy things. And I think that one of my top tips for, for navigating the complications or the, the, the heaviness or just or just the confusion around sexuality and relationships is one telling yourself this is normal <laughs> and and like hearing other stories from you know shameless sex from sexology from all these other folks and podcast books people you talk to to hear the very variety of sexual experiences and you will hear if people are being honest no one is saying that I was in a relationship for 30 years and it was fantastic the whole time or we had great sex the whole time or we never had a desire discrepancy or we never had an argument or we never felt like we should break up or I mean, and, and, you know, it's different for everyone. What is, what is long term? Is it a year? Is that 30 years? Some people it's three weeks. I don't know. But to, to know that to be in relationship with another person outside of your own self, your own brain, your own genitals, your own body will bring challenges the longer that you get to know this person and also bring a lot of really great stuff. I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but so just, just like when you hit those hurdles to instead say, Oh fuck, we're here. Oh no. Ah, okay. Wait, this is hard, but here's an opportunity. And so what do we do? We learn and we practice and see what happens. You both brought up so many good points. One is that it's common for like all couples, at least that I work with and that I know of myself, that your desire goes through different seasons and changes and there's nothing necessarily quote unquote wrong with that, right? So it's just a matter of what do I, what kind of a sexual experiences I would like to have and how do I communicate that with my partner or kind of like provide that opportunity for myself? One of the things that I often hear from people that they kind of like feel that if you are in a long-term monogamous relationship, sex is going to be okay most of the time, right? So people, I hear this term of maintenance sex that I don't even take my own card for maintenance. I, I have allergy to maintenance <laughs> vocabulary, right? <laughs> so you get to have exciting experiences in a long-term relationship. It's just a matter of investing time, energy, and knowing the right tools and strategies and what's out there. And you mentioned that like in your podcast, in your book, here we talk about all sorts of different things you can put on your pleasure menu. And one of the great things that you guys talked about is sex toys, right? So many people are feel like they are broken if their partner want to have sex in the bedroom. But tell us a little bit about how can people introduce that conversation? What are some of the good toys out there for couples? Well, first of all, I'm, I'll say, and Amy and I always have so many things to say about sex toys. We love sex toys. <laughs> we love them. Sex toys, lube. And it's been way before the podcast existed that we've loved sex toys. And they've changed my life. They've changed the lives of some partners of past and present, have, incorporating them into uh, the bedroom. And I think the first thing is to take away any judgment if you are new to 
utilizing sex toys with your partner or partners, take away any judgment. It's not something that's wrong with you. It's not something that's wrong with them for wanting to incorporate something new into the the bedroom experience. It's something that can elevate your experience. When I talk Hot Octopus, I was, uh, is a co-owner of Hot Octopus. And when I started at the business, it's a penis toy company. A lot of men would be like, why do I need a masturbator when I have my hand? I'm like, why do you why do you why do you drive a car when you could walk everywhere? You get there in more style. It's kind of similar with sex toys in a different way. I think that it really can elevate your experience and ha- it's a tool in your tool belt, building a house with a hammer versus trying to pound something in with your fist. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it it's, can be a, an experience that you can enjoy with your partner and you can enjoy it solo. And there's thousands and thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of options, which could give you anxiety sometimes. That's why exploring your body and learning what you like first, maybe with your hands is great. But keeping the open mind and knowing that the sex toys, Amy says this a lot, and, and I agree that they don't, they don't caress, caress your face or your breasts or, or your, your body or massage your back or do the dishes. Sex toys don't do any of those things. They, they don't even speak back to you. Not yet, right? Not Maybe yet. Some of the yeah. robot ones are getting there. Uh, but that's a, a different conversation. So feeling there's no threat to your sexuality or your your relationship if there is a sex toy brought in i think is is the first step now if you have sex toys and you're like whoa i want more then that's a whole different exciting piece to start climbing up uh, that mountain because there's so many things to to experience and it's a trial by error and 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 fire you have to just start getting out there and, and trying new things I would say if I was going, I agree with everything April said. And if I was going to go to a partner and I wanted to add sex toys and I was a little concerned about how they would feel about it, one, I would propose it as a bonus. It's not like we have a problem. You know, like, here's a replacement for you because your dick's broken. <laughs> your dick doesn't do the job or your pussy doesn't or your nipples or whatever. And so instead it's, and I think this applies to all, so we talk about this in our book a lot. Like when we talk about sex and sexual communication, when we feel like there's a problem or an issue, instead of engaging about it as if it's a problem, it's more like an opportunity. But also, I want to work. This is a we thing that I want to work with you on because I care about you and I care about us. So it's not like we're broken. We have a problem. It's we're good. I want to be great. We're okay. I want to be really good. Or we have good sex. I want to have fantastic fucking sex. And, you know, sex toys are a way to enhance that. So they're like a bonus, really. They're, they are like a bonus addition, just like lube too, right? Like lube, in my opinion, and we're huge fans of Uber lube over here. Lube is, and Uber lube is, this is one of their concepts. It's not designed to take over the experience where you're having sex and it's all about the lube. The lube is supposed to enhance the experience to make the skin on skin or whatever you're doing feel better and be easier. And so I think sex toys can do the same thing. It's like fast lane to arousal and pleasure, or at least for me, it's almost guaranteed, right? If I'm like, I don't know if my body is going to have an orgasm today, but I kind of want one. If I bring a sex toy into sex, it's almost guaranteed because I know my sex toys and I know what ones work for me. Um, And then the last thing I'll say about that is another way that you can bring it up to a partner if you're a little scared is I listened to a podcast. It's called Sexology. And I heard about sex toys. And I just kind of felt like a little excited about trying that. Like, I, I was like, yeah, our sex is really good. But I want to try these things to see, like, if we can just spice it up. It sounds really fun. What do you think? 
so many wonderful tips, right? Kind of like bring it as a bonus, an additional thing, making sure that you're talking about it also. If your partner especially is a little bit conservative beforehand, before like pulling out the large dildo, <laughs> talking hey, about babe, it you want to try this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think it's, it is wonderful for people to practice that muscle and talk about it and see it as an additional tool in their toolbox. You know, for many people, it's hard to go to adult store. Like I don't even know in LA, there's just like, I know there's uh, like few of them, but they're not everywhere. People are feeling intimidated to go in. There are great websites, right? That you can go and look at stuff and read review. I love reading sex toys reviews. They're hilarious, but you don't know if it work for you. So if for a couple want to kind of find a good sex toy that kind of like give them reliable experiences, what are some of the ways that you recommend them to research if they're shy to ask their friend? Well, if you're not really skilled what? at reading reviews online, <laughs> which I am, but I have a lot of friends that are not. And they're like, Amy, will you read all the reviews so I can go buy this pair of jeans? And I'm like, okay, you're welcome. <laughs> they don't they don't like it or something's hard about it. But um, so these days with the online websites, not all of them, but a lot of them, and, I, and I'll explain the difference between like a sex positive store or website versus what April called like sticky floor stores or just like even outside of sticky floor stores, a store where the people that work there are just salespeople and they're not really educated on what they're selling. And so as someone who used to own a brick and mortar sex shop, it was important for our our employees to be educators because it's sex. It's like, it's pretty intense for a lot of people as opposed to like, I don't know, this one seems cool. People like it. You should buy it. Um, it doesn't really help because it's not specialized or specific to the person. So if you're online and you don't have access to um, an in-person store, look up sex positive adult stores. You could Google that or if you Google on your thing, Safari, that, whatever your thing is, and look up, you know, the list of sex positive adult stores and you'll see a whole bunch of them. And, you know, to name a few, there's, you know, Pleasure Chest is one of them, which is in LA and also on the East Coast. And then there's Good Vibrations, Babeland, Pure Pleasure, Sugar, Shag. There's so many of them. And you can order from them. And what these stores often do is they will have, you'll have the ability to send them an email saying like, here's what I'm looking for. You're still anonymous. They don't know who you are. It's just all over, you know, text. Sometimes they'll even have little chat boxes and they can guide you to figure out the toy that you like. And if you have a store that is somewhere near you, um, it might be like an hour drive, but hey, it's a fun field trip. It's a great time. Go make a day out of it. Go to the sex shop. Have a good time. In those sex positive stores, they will be equipped to to talk to you about this. And it's still edgy. It's not like if it's hard for you, it's not like it's the easiest thing, but their job is to try to make it as easy and comfortable and pleasurable without the orgasms as possible. Orgasms come later. Where, yeah, so I think that, that, that that's really helpful. And, and you could go to other online stores that are not maybe identifying as sex positive. But I think there's something really special about that. And a lot of the sex positive stores are a little more like independently owned, less corporate. So yeah, it's there's a lot of options out there. And it's global too, right? Like April and I work in the sex toy industry. They're all over the world, depending on where you are, right? And I want to add because Amy is right with sex positive stores are popping up everywhere more and more, even in the Midwest where I grew up to, you know, coast to coast. So that's exciting. And you can also online is, is, is an amazing way. But if you want to feel the toy or know what the motor would be like on your body, it is nice to actually go into a physical store. I will say you get what you pay for with sex toys. So if you're finding something that is really, I say it's like price sensitive. So you're not spending 
a lot of money on it because you want something that's cheap, which I don't like the word, but people are like, I just want something cheap. And with sex toys, it's kind of like electronics. They can short out faster if you save a buck on like some generic version. And the materials could be toxic for your body. The motor might just not be as as like strong as you want. It won't have as many functions. It probably isn't warranted. On and on and on and on and on. When you when you spend a little bit more money, and you know that that people care about not only the materials because sex toys can be very toxic. And if you're putting something inside your body that has any like phthalates, which have been banned in children's toys since the 1950s, but they're not sex toys. (laughs) They're still in sex toys because the FDA doesn't regulate sex toys. It regulates lubricants, but not sex toys. That being said, when it's sold as a novelty, you can put really toxic ingredients like carcinogenic materials into sex toys and putting that into your body, especially into your, if you're putting it into your vagina, if you're putting it into your bum, if you're putting it into your mouth, any of those pieces that can really affect your health in the long term. So with couples specifically, go with something a bit more high end. If you don't want to spend a couple hundred dollars because you're not sure what you want, there's a lot of mid range, like from the the 60 to $150 range that you can get. I think if you're a a hetero couple that's been getting penis and revolver owner, getting a a product like WeVibe, they make the classic, most people have heard of those, they clip in to the vagina. It's like a C-shaped and then clips in vulva, external vulva is reached, internal vagina is reached in the vaginal canal. And then if a penis penetrates um, that area, they can also feel the vibration of the, of this this toy. There's also cock rings. So vibrating cock rings. I'm a huge fan. Hot octopus with two S's, right? They We make this thing called the Act Plus. And it's a, it's a dual motored cock ring that is for couples, especially I help design it. So one of the motors can reach all of the external bits of the the labia and the clitoris. And it has like this area where you can grind on it. And then the cock will have just a, a perineum stimulation under that taint, that gooch uh, testicle stimulation, and the shaft will vibrate all the way to the tip. So if you're penetrating someone anally or vaginally, they'll also get the intensity of vibrations. There's, no, there's nothing else like to add. And plus, it's only $99 retail too, which I think is a great price point. So I think if you want internal or external, if you're a vulva owner and you want to incorporate that with your partner, there are so many options. You're going to have to figure out what you want. So I think getting something with a lot of variety of of speeds and functions is important. We have our top picks like purepleasureshop.com, which is Amy and her mom's uh, online shop because the brick and mortar um, was sold before COVID. Woohoo! And we, uh, unintentionally, they yeah. did it. They didn't yes. know that the pandemic was going to happen. So they, we have our shameless sex top picks, which we really believe in. And you can look at what the product does and what we sort of feel it, what, what it benefits. There's air pulse technology. Honestly, we could have 18 episodes about sex toys and it really is trying things. That's why people have a whole chest. You could have a whole closet. You could have a whole basement full of sex toys, right? It's just what for your body and that could change. You could Mm -hmm. love something one month or week and then not the next and go back to it. Like air pulse technology kind of mimics the the oral sensations. It's kind of like this sucking. Amy loves that. For me, (laughs) I haven't gotten off on that. However, I revisit from time to time and sometimes I do, I do enjoy it. So there's something for penis owners, vulva owners, couples, anal, anal toys. There's so... BDSM gear if you want to get tied up, all of it. So probably a lot of information, 
to process there, but sex toys <laughs> are so fun to talk about. Well, I feel like we don't talk about it enough in, in this podcast because I have such a loyalty to the one that I have. So the first sex toy I got, I was very young, like not very, very young, like <laughs> age appropriate young. Mm-hmm. And I got it from my partner. Like he got me like for one Valentine times of toys. And I'm still with that toy. It's the longest relationship, the vibrator I have. <laughs> the wait, longest wait, what's relationship. The I want to yeah, know. What I is know. it? I, I do too. I want to know too. Tell us about it. <laughs> it's a Lilo vibrator, one of the smaller ones, but the quality is excellent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like 20 something years of <laughs> vibrating and getting yeah. charged because I know that and I use it often. It's not like I'm using it once a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, like the, they say the age of the sex toy is about five years, but this one lasted a few decades, which is fantastic. So I think mm-hmm. it's, as, as you guys were saying, the price point matter. Like mm-hmm. I personally, I think like it's helpful when people go and see it. I'm sure that you guys get tons of sex toys. I get sex, sex toys of certain types and one and one are not equal, right? So one of them feels like it's so loud. Something is like lifting the air and the other ones are quiet. So it's really helpful for people to know at least for the first time, like what does it feel like? What does it smell like? So all of those things would be very, very important. And can I just add one other thing? It'll be really quick. April and I have this rule of threes. It applies to all things, dating, long-term relationships, relationships, but sex toys. You try one once and if it doesn't work for you, if you're a hard no to, if you're like this, I don't like this thing, then don't use it again. But if it's like, ah, I didn't really do the job, try it maybe a second or third time because sometimes our brain's just in the way because we're so used to something else and we're like, man, we're already doubting it. And so we get stuck in that. And later you might discover it actually does work. And then after the third time, if it doesn't, then give it, gift it to a friend. If it's silicone, you can sanitize it. We do that all the time over here. <laughs> well, I, and you know what? I got so accustomed to my magic wand. You're talking about these archaic looking devices. This thing, honestly, it plugs in. And my body was, it sounds like I'm vacuuming. I, I live above a coffee shop and they have asked, like, do you vacuum a lot? I'm like, oh no, that's my toy. It's almost embarrassing because it looks like this 1980s baseball bat, but I was so used to it. And I'm like, sometimes this is, it, like when I was single and in, in different partnerships throughout, I'd be like, I need my, I need my, my wand, I need my magic wand. And I still love it, but I had to, I have to take a little bit I have to take breaks, right? Because your body, it's accustomed. And then I only need that because my brain is releasing that dopamine where that's the only way I could orgasm in my brain. I was I need that. I have to have that. So if you can take away that piece for a little while and learn how to orgasm other ways, which your body is is remarkable, your brain's even more remarkable. And you just create that new neural path, neural pathway, which is what we talk about in the book. If you want to learn how to orgasm in different ways, it's completely possible. You could have an armpit orgasm if you want to. So it. <laughs> uh, yeah. so even if you think that you could only orgasm from this one toy, I can attest to the fact that I'm able to, but I do need strength of vibration in my in my toys. I know that. Maybe it's because I blew out my clitoris when I was 23. I didn't at the total. She did not. She's kidding. Yeah. You can, and you cannot blow out your, your, your body parts from using sex toys. People it's a common misconception. It's totally false. It's erroneous material that isn't true. You just sometimes become desensitized for maybe 20 or 30 or an hour, minutes. Or the brain just gets hooked. It's the store. It's like, okay, this one works. When on my last 10 times I had sex with the brains, it's like this Neanderthal brain. It's like, this worked good. Me want this now. And so you get stuck on that. But if you practice something else for a while and you might not have an orgasm right away, 
But you being patient, you can learn how to orgasm in infinite ways. It's people can think themselves in orgasm. I have sleepgasms. I'm not even touching myself. So it's that just shows me that like the and we again, not just our line, we say this in the book, but and I'm sure you know this too. And uh, to the listeners, your brain is your largest sex organ. And if you put enough time and practice and openness in, in, the, in your mind to learn other ways, then yeah, the possibilities are limitless. Well, Amy, you're making me jealous. I, I never had a <laughs> sleepgasm. So I had sleepgasm, plenty okay. of them. Yeah. <laughs> but the heartbeat one is interesting. See, well, like I, I want to hear about that. The most interesting thing about it is so this, I, I really love this story because I actually don't like tickling. I was I, like, my armpit was a no-go zone for the whole entire world for our, like most of my life. And I like this experience and story because it happened in a time where I had zero sex drive, was very disconnected from my body, had been for like two years after a really hard relationship, having an abortion and all kinds of things. So I was just like, I'm just like turned off. And I'm a sex educator, right? That's really fucking frustrating. And I'm like, I know all the tools. They're not working. And I didn't realize that part of it was getting out of a traumatic relationship. So I exited that relationship, but still didn't have a sex drive. I was just like numb and had this very, I, I just to sum it up, like a very safe experience and safety for me is really important. So feeling really safe and respected in a place where I didn't feel pressured to like perform or do anything beyond my boundaries. I could just be me, including numb Amy, closed down Amy, all those things. I felt really safe. And it was in a PG-13 foursome, a sex geek summer camp on a lawn in front of the playroom. So we weren't even in the playroom. And it was with three wonderful other sex educator kind of humans. And um, and we didn't even talk about how like we're not going to touch genitals. I could just feel that no one was going to even try unless we really talked about it. And what ended up happening was we were all just like fully clothed, hands moving around bodies, lips moving around bodies, but like, again, fully clothed, no genital touching. And someone started making out with my armpit. And at first I was like, my brain was like, we don't like this. We don't like this. We need to stop this. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. But I'm feeling, it's feeling good. So like it's conflicting, right? One side's like, no, 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 historically we don't like this. And then the other side's like, no, no, but there's pleasure here. And I think that happens a lot for me actually. And probably for a lot of people, the story will try to overpower what's really happening. And sometimes that's important because the story is really valid, especially with trauma or like things that are really sketchy that are happening presently. Um, But in this experience, I was like, okay, so I'm just, I feel safe. So I'm going to go with it. And I was like, screaming and moaning louder than I had in years. And it was my armpit with the mouth in it. It was someone I just met the day before. And and I was like, oh, okay. And left there just like so charged up and alive. And and it turned my sex drive back on. Um, and it wasn't about necessarily like, I, I, I want to be with these people that I had this experience. Or now I only want armpits in my or mouths in my armpits, um, or armpits in my mouth. But yeah, um, it was just, it, I was like, okay, that's really powerful. That I, I'm realizing I get in my own way a lot and for valid reasons, like I got tickled in the past. I didn't like it. A lot of times it was not consensual. I'd ask people to stop. They kept doing it. And so that's a very smart protective mechanism for my body to say, we don't like this. But I think there's a, there's room to, to open up to the and and to decide or, or stay open to is the and more powerful than the story of I don't like this. And if it's not, and if it's, I don't like this is more powerful than fucking go with that for sure. But sometimes the and and the other piece can be really potent. So now I only have orgasm the armpits. Just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story and the magic of what happens when you are with other sex educators and sex therapists and all the things that you can experience. 
But I agree with you, I think, with the safety piece, right? Safety piece is really, really important. Not all long-term relationships feel safe, but I think it can be a plus, right? That you feel like, you know, you know this person, you don't need to, quote-unquote, perform if you have a good relationship. And you can kind of like know that your no is respected. Hopefully, that's the case for all relationships. But you, you can kind of like push yourself and push your boundaries a little bit to see what's, what happens. And if there's a, as you said, that the story no longer is accurate. So for our listeners that they find that they are in a long-term relationship and their misalignment with what they want and their partners want, what are some of the recommendations you guys have? Just, just leave. No, it's yeah. not. That's not. <laughs> Get the book go out. Ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Amy. I didn't want to interrupt you. I just wanted to, to, yeah. to bring a little joy to it because it's, I'm joking. Yeah. We have had people say, we have had uh, listeners write in and be like, you told, you told me that I should leave my partnership. And we're like, we no, did not we, say that. No, we, <laughs> no. no, we did not. We did not. <laughs> yeah. We very rarely say you should just go. Actually, I don't. And even as someone who works as a sex and relationship coach, I never, when I see my clients where I'm, where I'm like, oh God, you should go. I don't say that in that way. I propose questions to help them figure it out for themselves. So yeah, I think, let's see, what came for my, to mind for me with this is, so the first thing I came to mind is, is if you have, it's communication. Have you conveyed how important your needs are to your partner? And most people are like, yes, I have, you know, and we're different where there's a lack of alignment here and they're not willing to meet me and I'm not willing to budge from where I'm at or meet them. But what comes to mind for me next is how, how have you communicated that though? How, how much have you commun- communicated the importance of your unique needs. And I, we talk about this in the book. We talk about this all the time. There's a difference between I have a need for, I don't know, I have a need for you to like scratch my head often. I I like scratches on my head versus I have a core value need. And if I don't have this, I will feel empty and unfulfilled and it will affect our relationship. And we're not going to say that in a way like, but in an ultimatum, like if you don't do this, I'm leaving you. Not that, but more like, I know this about me. This is really important to me and it's not going to go away. So I'm wondering if you're willing to work with me on this because it's really important to me. And I think that a lot of people have not conveyed that the level of importance, gone really curious about their partner and also proposed, maybe you're not willing to do this thing. Like maybe anal is really important to me. Like it's a core value. If I don't have anal in my life, then I will feel in a year or two, I will, I will be unfulfilled in some way. I'll feel empty inside or not alive. And that is true for a lot of people or some people. So instead of like, okay, now you have to have penetrative anal with me and that's the only way I'll be fulfilled, that how can we work together, right? Like here's so many other ways we can do this. Um, or are you okay with me doing this with other people or just with myself, you know, and maybe you're just watching or maybe you're not. Maybe we talk about it. Maybe there's porn in the background. I don't know. It's just like, there's so many options for how you can work together. But I think what happens for a lot of relationships is there's already so much other damage related to so many other aspects of the relationship and you need repair just on connecting. That makes it so this conversation is like a side piece. So it, it's it's often working on, the if you want to work on this, working on the other parts of your relationship, you know, the foundation that has cracks in it and that you've built a house on that's now like leaning to the side, start mending those so that the house can come a little more upright and then you can work on some of these fun things. But conveying the level of importance to you is, is um, I think, really, really powerful. It doesn't mean that they'll necessarily hear it, but it's the, mo- the, the least you could do, the most you, least you could do, yeah, <laughs> to at least get that across. Yeah. One thing that I'll add to that, because 
communication, everyone always talks about communication, communication. It's kind of a pain in the ass, right? It's like, really, that's the solution. It really is deconstructing when you deconstruct what's really happening and why there is this, this kind of damage. And it, nothing, nothing is irreparable if the, the parties involved are willing to enter into a repair space. And I know, you know, as a sexologist and, and talking to other people about sex and relationships, there's a lot of complication when you have humans and emotions and feelings involved. And in our book, we created this entire chapter to talking about what not only what you want in the bedroom, but how to ask for it, because those parts can be really difficult, even when you're a skilled communicator outside of the bedroom. You could be the most incredible presenter at your office, or you could be great at talking to other people. You could be a therapist and be amazing. But when it comes to partnership and talking about your relationship and the things that you either want to change or that you're unhappy with or that you're desiring, it can be scary and difficult to do. Even sometimes I struggle with that, but I have to drop back into what what works and what I, I know is the sort of the formula for usual success, right? So we wrote this, there's, there's different sections, but we have this connect. It's an, it's an acronym for a, like a, a series of different things that you can do to, to have difficult conversations around sex and relationships. So this success is something you can implement, whether it's a small ask, which is another part of our book. So something that may be more um, on the, on the, not as significant to you and your, in your mind, or maybe not to your partner. It could be a big ask to your partner and you thought it was a small thing, but something that's a little bit more maybe on the, on the simpler side that isn't so emotionally heavy or involving the entire psyche of the, of the relationship. Uh, and then those, those small asks you can sort of frame in if there's, especially in the bedroom, um, but take all those conversations outside of the bedroom. But if it's about the bedroom, you could use that outside for the small ask. Like, hey, babe. I was thinking about getting a sex toy. I heard Dr. Nazanin talk about this uh, Lalo thing. Do you want to check it out with me? That could be a small ask, right? It's more casual. Then you have a big ask, which is something also always take it out the bedroom. Hey, babe, as Amy was saying, frame it in a way that isn't like, you did this to me. This is on you. I'm so unhappy because of you. That is not going to work. Blame language is going to be really heavy. You can refer to the formula if you'd like that uses nonviolent communication tactics. And also timing is, 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 is key because if you get someone just came back from a stressful day, they had road rage getting home, they're hungry. Great time for that conversation. (laughs) Do not do that. Hey babe, I'm thinking about non-monogamy. I want to have a threesome, but I don't even want you to be there. How do you feel about that? I know you had a hard day, but hey, Uh, here it is. I want to explain (laughs) cuckolding. To just deal with it right now. And yeah. here's your dinner. So so take those big asks and, and think about timing. And right, relationships are cyclic. That is, Esther Perel talks about this, that this, this all the time, the desire discrepancy, even if your desires outside of the bedroom are similar, like you want the same things, you want the same vacation, you want the same dream house or you have it. Bedroom desires can always change. And there's a lot of media out there that shows us what's possible or what's not, well, what's sometimes impossible, but it's possible because you see it in porn, which is great for entertainment, but not great for education. That being said, people have constant streams of what should be or what things should look like. So removing those things, removing those goals, talking to your partner in a way that they can go into that cycle when there's 
when there's there's always harmony, right? This is Esther Perel, harmony, disharmony, and the repair. So when you're in that repair space, doing it in a way that that everyone involved, both parties, let's say if it's if it's a dual relationship, will be able to actively listen, actively hear, and that you're calculated about what you're going to say. So it's not blaming or or going to go to the dark side. Right. That's a that's a press pause moment. You could always get help too. Seek support if you need it. That's a big piece of our book. It's not just what we say. Amy and April only are we're, we're vessels for it, and uh, we experience a lot of this. What we most of it in our book, um, but it's not about us. It's about delivering the message from experts all over. Our Action. new thing is when we're not when we actually feel like well we can't handle this. We go help. <laughs> we just yell help. And we do this in public all the time. Like I can't figure this out. Help! Not everyone we comes help. to help you, but help might be call a therapist, book an appointment, <laughs> you know, so go seek out outside support. It's very helpful. <laughs> Well, you guys also brought up so many great points, but the, the last thing I was thinking about that we were talking about is this kind of owning your desire, right? Because sometimes we we're, we're, we think we communicated what we wanted, right? But we also feel kind of shame about it. Maybe we're undermining, negotiating with ourselves. So kind of like presenting it in a way that kind of we're owning that this is what I want. It can be empowering. It could be an invitation. So maybe your partner take you on that invitation or you guys can come up with other other strategies to address that. Well, I have a lot that I wanted to talk about, but I know that we are toward the end of our episode. I know you guys have hours and hours of wonderful, informative, engaging content, and now you have the book. So if people want to get a hold of you, learn about your book, about your podcast, what are some of the places that they can go to? Wait, I calculated how many hours the other day that we have right now. It's like over 21,000 hours of information. Oh, Which, you know, on our podcast alone? On our, on our podcast. Oh. Like, yes, that doesn't even count podcast. all the work behind the scenes, y'all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, and that's I awesome. was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of content. So there are lots and lots of resources for you. Our book is anywhere books are sold. It's called Shame What Sex. And the subtitle is a Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Life You've Been Waiting For. And that can be your guide. Again and again, it's the book Amy and I wish that we had growing up 18 25, 35, now I'm 41. And when I'm 68, when I'm 85, if I live that long, I still feel that there's valuable resources in this book for any, um, for anyone, uh, no matter what, no matter what your uh, relationship status is. And, uh, shamelessx.com, you can find uh, our book if you just want a direct link. We do events. We're going to be doing, uh, more of a book tour 2024. And because the book just came out in November 2023. And then anywhere our podcasts are listened to, if you prefer YouTube or iTunes or Google Play, we're everywhere podcasts are listened to. And at Shameless Podcasts, our handle on any social media channels that you like to dive into. We're pretty active on Instagram as well as TikTok, Facebook, not so much. But my grandma does love when I post stuff on Facebook. I don't know if she... She actually listened. Have you put the topless like, and tapas picture on there yet? Because grandma's going to love I did, I that. Did. We did a book she reading topless, everyone. Did not, she did not. She did, was not liking that one. I'm like, sending it to her. Grandma, here you go. And I just want to also say, uh, is Dr. Naz- Nazanin, did I say it right? I'm not yes, sure. Yes, you got it. You're, you're coming on our show next hey, month. Yeah, I'm, so I'm super sure excited. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be out in December or January, but um, if you all love her, which I know you do because you're listening, so obviously you do, come listen to her on our show. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited about our upcoming conversation. And I'm very excited to share this episode with our listeners because it seems like you guys have so many 
different layers of knowledge and expertise. And we were just like talked about small bit of it. So there's just like a galaxy of options as far as where they can find your content. And I definitely recommend the book. Mm, thank you so oh, much. Thank yeah. you so much, Dr. Nazanin. We appreciate you. You're, you're wonderful. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. As we bring today's episode to close, I can help but reflect on the incredible insights shared by Amy and April. Their book, Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Life You've Been Waiting For is truly a game changer. It's essential read for anyone looking to explore the depths of their sexuality and enhance their intimate connections. I personally love how it combines practical advice and empowering narrative, making it a must-have in your personal library. You can find the link to their book in their website. You can find all the information in the show notes about that. Speaking of discoveries, remember that intriguing vibrator? I talked about it during this episode. If you're curious and want to learn more about it, simply check out the show notes. There, you'll find a direct link to it, along with some additional information that could add a new dimension to your intimate experience. And finally, a gentle reminder about our much-anticipated Afternoon Delight live recording show in LA on February 10th. I would love to meet you. So if you're in Southern California, please come to the event. One of the best part of being a podcaster, at least for me, is to get to meet people that you are been talking to and you've been creating content for. We have limited early bird tickets. So make sure that you are heading to the link in the show note and picking up your ticket as they are selling fast. Thank you again for joining us today. It's been a pleasure discussing these essential aspects of our lives and we hope you found inspiration and insight to take your own journey of pleasure and discovery. And remember, exploring your sexuality is a journey worth taking. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.